You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Today, we are interviewing James Franklin, author of The Worth of Persons, The Foundation of Ethics. This is Michaela Estruth, and I'm here with James Franklin. James Franklin is the author of The Science of Conjecture, Evidence and Probability Before Pascal, Corrupting the Youth, A History of Philosophy in Australia, What Science Knows and How It Knows It, and An Aristotelian Realist Philosophy of Mathematics. He is Honorary Professor at the University of New South Wales, Sydney, Australia, where he taught mathematics for nearly 40 years and set up the world's first course on professional issues and ethics in mathematics. He is the editor of the Journal of the Australian Catholic Historical Society. He was awarded the 2005 Eureka Prize for Research in Ethics for work on the parallels between objectivity in mathematics and in ethics. James Franklin, Mr. Franklin, thanks for being here with us today. Thanks. Great to meet you. Well, I just wanted to start off just asking, like, can you explain behind the, the ideas behind this book, why you wanted to write this book, the current culture of, like, the times that you're writing it in? Just open up and I can... Uh, yeah, sure. Well, the essential message of the book called The Worth of Persons, The Foundations of Ethics, is almost all in the title. It says that humans are a very ethically important part of the universe in an absolute sense. So the universe would be much worse off if it lacked humans, and it'd be worse off if it lacked individual humans, such as you or me. Mm -hmm. The explosion of a lifeless galaxy is just a firework, but the death of a human is a tragedy. And the reason is because humans are completely different things from galaxies or stones. Well, that's it, really. I mean, how simple can you get? But it's not a message that uh, is talked about much in ethics. I mean, to many people, what I've just said is they're going to think, well, of course, I know that. It's a platitude. What's, why is he making such a scene about it? Right. But if you've studied uh, ethics and uh, philosophy and science, you don't see that kind of thing. I mean, if you go and read about uh, what is ethics about, uh, then there's talk of abstract theories like utilitarianism, deontology, and so on. And if you look at uh, books about ethics, they're mostly about individual issues or virtues. Um, is this or that right and wrong, what you ought, what you ought to do? Mm-hmm. And the basic basics of the worth of person somehow doesn't get a look in. Mm-hmm. So the, the, the essence of the book is to bring back that very foundational thing, the worth of person, their dignity or uh, their inherent value. Yeah to get that back in the conversation when it's kind of gone away. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So did you, when did you first come up with an idea to write this? Uh, you shouldn't, probably, probably shouldn't ask people about that when they're very old and written books because it's, they can't remember. It's <laughs> so far back that these things develop very gradually. But uh, it's just, I mean, I've studied bits and pieces of ethics and as you said in the introduction i set up something about ethics in mathematics for mathematics courses and i just gradually got the message that the core of the thing is missing in the discourse so i'm thinking well i'm my expertise is in philosophy let's go let's dig down into the foundations and see what's there Mm, yeah yeah that's really cool um i was looking through your book last night and like reading some 
Um, and actually, in the last chapter, I noticed that you start talk you started talking about the errors in ethics, and I was wondering if you can give us a little bit of a summary of like where ethics is today, and maybe if you're trying to readdress that or like revert it back to something that it, where it's come from. Uh, well, I suppose so. Um, ethics, where where is ethics today? Well, it's all over the place, right? And it's not in the foundational. Uh, it, it's it's lost track of its foundations in such a way that there's no way of sorting out the problems. So everybody is uh, disagreeing violently about various questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but and and to some extent. Um, the, what I'm saying is not going to resolve those questions. Mm. So, of course, it's uh, an important question about whether fetuses are properly human and have the same rights as born people. Right. Well, I can't really answer that question, but I can certainly tell you that it's uh, it's it's the answer matters. I mean, what we want to know about uh, people that you might think of as marginally or doubtfully human is whether they do have the rights of human beings and i can offer you that it matters whether the answer is yes or no Mm. i remember going to a talk where i asked some pro-abortion person uh whether what how how many weeks before or after birth do they think babies should be given a legal legal protection for their life and she said um well zero at birth is all right because the society has to decide somehow who should have uh, a legal right to life and uh, that's that's an easy way to choose mm-hmm. well that's that can't be right whatever that can't be right because whether humans have a right to life or an equal right to life can't be a matter for society to decide it's it's a matter of their inherent properties mm. And uh, it should be possible to say what their inherent properties are and to tell whether newborn babies have them or not. Well, yeah, newborn babies are incredibly smart. They go there and photograph, they video newborn babies, and you can see they're not just lying there sleeping. They are incredibly cognitively active. They don't know a lot that we know, of course, but you'd have to say they have the essentials of what, uh, of what, it is to be human you can see that by experimenting on them yeah yeah wow hmm so in our postmodern age where all truth is subjective apparently and we're kind of all defining our own truth so would you say that you were saying you can't society can't define the life of a of a baby or of a fetus like in the womb because it's something beyond that so would you say like there's absolutes that determine um good that's that's right Uh, my my view of ethics is a very absolute one okay and it's absolutely it's supported by the fact that humans do have certain properties Mm. so such as rationality so if humans have an inherent worth it ought to be possible to say what properties it is that gives them that worth and a traditional answer to that is that it's rationality. Right. So St. Augustine says, man's excellence consists in the fact that God made him in his own image by giving him an intellectual soul which raises him above the beasts of the field. Mm. Well, it's a nice way to put it. I think rationality is maybe a little bit narrow, but it's certainly a good start. Yeah. And 
humans have rationality. Some of them, of course, have their rationality obscured due to some cause. For example, they have dementia. Right. But still, they're the kind of things for whom it's a tragedy to have dementia, that their rationality is not kind of working. But they're still, they still have rationality. And what their tragedy consists in, that they can't kind of exercise it. Uh, but there are other aspects to the human being as well that are very important. Uh, let me read, actually, a little bit of Shakespeare, where he has Hamlet say, hmm. What a piece of work is man, how noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable, in action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. Well, yeah, if something has got those properties, hmm. it's certainly something amazing. And it's not like, uh, cockroaches or something uh, 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 who are, or other remote parts of the universe that's amazing and some of that is not quite about rationality as Kant says it's very important that humans have free action that they can choose what to do for reasons and that again is very unique it's like nothing else in the universe when you're th speaking to AI software you can sometimes think they have it but they don't <laughs> after you, after they make a mistake, you realise there's just nothing in there, right. thinking or making or deciding or responding to you. But when you're talking to a real, it's just an imitation of a real person. But when you're speaking to a real person, you realise there is something in there, something like what's in me, and it's an extraordinary thing. It very easily could have happened that the universe didn't have anything like that. And for billions of years, it didn't have anything like that. And all of a sudden, there's these amazing things in the universe that are rational and uh, for whom it's important if they survive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So you were talking about like all humans having rationality. Do you think, um, how, how do I ask this? Do you think that there is, can be a decline? You were talking about dementia and that's not exactly where I'm going but do you think there can be a decline in rationality of just like if rationality comes from a creator or comes from being made in the image of God as you were talking about I think just now and then in your book I also read that um do you think if we reject that does that affect our rationality or do, do we keep is it in intrinsic in us yeah it's possible to develop your rationality better or worse you mentioned our postmodernist friends before. Right. Well, that's developing rationality in the wrong way because you, if you start arguing against the, the existence of truth and think that all argue that all truth is rel relative or something like that, well, you're arguing in the so you're using your rationality, but you're misusing it in that in that you're undermining uh, what what rationality depends on, mm. and it's an incoherent thing to do, but it's also an immoral thing to do. Because, uh, yeah, to, to misuse your um, money, say, to give money to the, something harmful, it's exactly the same kind of thing as that. So we, we're given our rationality in a kind of package, a whole thing, but we can use it well or badly like anything else. Aristotle, there's an important ethical thing in Aristotle where he talks about the perfection, uh, perfection of... Uh, a skill or faculty. So he says that um, any any uh, anything you have, such as rationality, 
or money or uh, any talent, physical talent or something, ability to play music well, uh, can be used well or badly. And to use well, to be to use it well, is to develop its perfection. So he's, rationality is something that you should perfect, for example, by educating yourself. One of the worst things you can do for your rationality is go to school and refuse to learn anything. Unfortunately, a lot of people do that. Mm. Uh, and uh, people at a higher tertiary educated level misuse their rationality in the same way by arguing in a postmodernist sense that uh, all their uh, truth is only relative. Well, that's a misuse of, of the rationality you should be using well. Let's just use our rationality well and look in particular by looking into what it is to be rational. So we can study logic, for example, and study how um, evidence bears on truth. Those are the, like, like in a legal case, those are good things to study. And we understand in that case how our rationality works and how to use it better. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting. Um, so going back to Aristotle really fast, I read you were talking about absolutes and then you defined what the good is. And here at Hillsdale, we actually, Hillsdale College, we talk a lot about what is the good and we're pursuing that. Oh, yes. Um, but I was wondering, because in your book, you mentioned that Aristotle defines it as the thing which all things aim at, but you were offering a different definition, and I just wanted you to talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, I have a, do have a love-hate relationship with Aristotle on ethics. As you mentioned, I wrote a book about Aristotelian philosophy and mathematics, where I think he did a good job. On ethics, something something went wrong. I don't know why. So something went wrong with Aristotle on ethics. Um, and what it partly is, is that saying that ethics is what all things aim at. So you can't understand whether that's supposed to be a definition or a kind of uh, way of recognizing it or something. It's very inadequate as a definition because if you think, look at something like inherent worth of the worth of persons, it's got nothing to do with aims. Um, he must mean something like what um, what he's thinking. He's thinking in a very active or pragmatist sort, sort, sort of sense of or how to tell that some proposed action is good. It, and uh, if you so he's he's trying to think that if you see cats aiming at uh, getting here in time in dinner at dinner time, mm. then. Uh, dinner is something they aim at because they need dinner for what they for, for staying a cat for staying alive well that's all right but it's something somehow missed something at the foundational level the good isn't what things aim at the good is what is what properties something has that gives it gives it worth that uh, that in what properties humans have that make them an important part of the universe that's mm -hmm. got nothing to do with aiming at or actions at all. Yeah, actually, I should let me introduce two words. Part of the point of this book is that you should do axiology before casuistry. And those are words that are not standard. So let me explain. Axiology is the theory of what's inherently valuable. So you ask, are, are rainforests or humans or whatever inherently valuable? And if so, why or why not? Casuistry, uh, meaning the study of cases, is the theory of which actions are right and wrong. 
that includes everything to do with rights, duties, dilemmas, issues, obligations, commandments, care, virtues, and so on. Nearly everything you people people think that ethics is just about that. It's just about what to do. Uh, but you can't get straight casuistry or what to do unless you've got the axiology right first. And that's that's really an essential part of what the book is saying. So let's my idea is let's leave all that stuff about what you should do, virtues and actions for later, and get straight what's important like that, the, the worth of persons and what gives them important, like their rationality. And after that, it'll be, it should be pretty obvious, most of the conclusions to reach about what to do. So, for example, uh, why is murder wrong? Well, it's not because God commands it or uh, because it's for the uh, greatest happiness of the greatest number or something. The basic reason why murder is wrong is because being bad is dead. And that's it's because uh, something valuable is destroyed. Well, let's get that straight first, first, and then we can move on to thinking about right and wrong. Yeah. Wow. Very interesting. So you said the uh, you mentioned rationality and then other things that make humans valuable. Can you mention a couple other qualities or aspects? Well, yeah. Their emotion, the whole emotion. Talking about rationality tends to leave out the whole emotional side of humans, which is very important to them. Uh, the emotional structure of somebody. So we know that one of the things that education, especially parental education, wants to get straight is giving people a correct emotional structure so that they, for example, value themselves and look after themselves and, and then uh, correctly oriented in love to other people. Then there's, there's just consciousness, which is not quite the same thing as rationality. Uh, when you look at some look at a baby and realize that there's a consciousness in this kind of staring back at you that is unique to humans as well mm. something that is a little harder to put a finger on is what we, we is individuality i mean one of the things that we value in other people is that they've made themselves into a certain individuality we like to see in our friends and even people we just met we think what's unique about that person uh what have they got to offer that's a, a little bit different to other people? Something a bit quirky, maybe. Uh, what makes and it's something that even if you've got identical twins, they they don't have the same individuality. They're they're different persons, uh, and they're each of them making themselves into something, hopefully something valuable. And we uh, the, the whole possibility of being individual, which of course builds on rationality and free choice and so on is uh, somehow important to what makes humans the unique things they are in the universe. Mm. Wow. Yeah. How do you think humans define their individuality? Like, how does that come out? How does that develop in a person? <laughs> yeah. Well, because it's individuality, individual, you can't um, say about so much about it in general because everybody is different. Right. But everybody is uh, some of what they've learnt and the choices they've made and what they've decided their, their particular sense of humor that for example that they've uh, they've developed as they, they went along and you 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 in one of the things you enjoy when you get to know somebody is is their individuality how they've made themselves into something a bit different 
So they say that when you're looking, when you're finding someone that is going to be your life partner, uh, there's someone there that you realise that they get you. They, <laughs> they get what's kind of strange and uh, a little bit odd about you and they think that's okay and you get that about them. And uh, I suppose couples, successful couples, develop a kind of, you know, kind of joint individuality where they share each other's in, individuality. That's one of the... Yeah, that's one of the great things about a successful marriage, that they support each other's individuality. Mm. I guess protect it against maybe outside threats that demand conformism or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, final question before we wrap up, but based on everything you've said, how should we apply that, the listeners here, how should we live um, you talk about obligation and at the towards the end of your book. How, what should we do to apply these truths in our lives? I think I think we shouldn't think in terms of how we should act on it, but more about how we should develop ourselves in a way that's oriented to others. So Kant says that one of the important duties is the duty to your own perfection. Mm. So that means that you should um develop yourself uh, learn learn something different because developing your rationality means don't say stuck in whatever it is whatever you've been taught uh get out there and learn something think about something a bit different and make yourself uh make yourself interesting uh, but part of that will be being or oriented in a loving way to other people who are doing the same uh, and support them in their their own development yeah, thanks. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Franklin. I really appreciate okay. it. Okay, great to talk. Yes. And well, great to meet you and uh, to see that you're, you're an individual too. Yeah, get on with it. That was James Franklin, author of the new book, The Worth of Persons, The Foundation of Ethics. And I'm Michaela Estreeth. You're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. <laughs>